So uh, thanks so much. Uh, I'm joined by Emily Umatsu Bansaf. Uh, please tell me if I'm pronouncing that well. That's or correct. Not. You did it really well. So many people cool. botch it. But... No, that was <laughs> great. So yeah, cool. I'm glad. I always try to get it right. Um, so please, Emily, um, what's your current role and where are you working? Right now, I'm a content designer at a company called Willow Tree. So we're a digital product agency. Um, we build apps and websites for companies. Okay, and, awesome. Um, I also work with the Open Voice Network, too, and I, I lead the Ethical Use Task Force there. Um, and I've been working on with that group for, for quite a while now. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You um, were involved in a paper that was released recently, right? Yes, we're actually working on version two of it. So that <laughs> should be coming okay. soon. <laughs> Yeah, excellent. Cool. Yeah. And um, at Willow Tree, your work is chatbots and voicebots. Is that right? Actually, no. I'm a, uh, I mostly deal with like regular content in, mm-hmm. in the apps and websites. So I'm not directly working with chatbots and voicebots at the moment, but we are hoping to um, go more into that. Yeah, okay, cool, cool. Okay, that's grand. Because um, you're you're so involved in the conversation design community, so I'm I'm really wanting to hear your views on all of these aspects that we're yeah. that we're going to talk about. <laughs> so, yeah, cool. Um, so what what I want to do? Uh, I don't even have a timer, but I'm going to be gentle about this. I was thinking <laughs> I would give you thirty seconds per question, and these are straightforward like uh you know we don't need to go in depth at all i just want to get your impression mm-hmm. and we're not talking about like uh best practice for all conversation designers it's like what works for you right sure so roughly in 30 seconds please tell me what's the most useful thing you use at work actually google docs are word honestly it, i use it to write down all of my ideas and uh, keep track of what I need to do. It's simple, but it's so useful. <laughs> yeah, cool. So you're uh, using all of the different apps within those two uh, office suites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Those, okay. They they work for for starting out at least until you get to like the actual tools <laughs> and implementing yeah. in, implementation. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm the same. I'm using yeah. those all day. And so. Um, how do you make sure your copy is good enough? Conversation review. <laughs> I, I think there's no other way to really do it because looking at numbers alone can only tell you so much. People would be surprised at how many successful conversations there, are, there might be on paper. But when you actually go through conversations, people act, might not be getting what they need. Like I've seen people getting sent to wrong intents, um, but it looked like it was a successful conversation. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So you mean like the the testing and the feedback loop? Yes, yeah? mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. And so with conversation design, um, what surprised you most when you first got involved? I think how much thought needs to go into each and every single turn of the conversation <laughs> and also mm-hmm. how important wording is too. Wording can really make or break an experience for someone. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. I think you've definitely done those in 30 seconds. So <laughs> yeah. well done. Great start. Yeah, lovely, succinct answers. Um, okay, so let's go into the the main uh, interview. Um, like, 
I've got quite a few questions prepared and the the theme is kind of focusing around bot personas but from various different angles. Mm -hmm. So I think the best way to start that is to ask what does the term bot persona mean to you? To me it's a character that's created to help people accomplish a specific goal. And mm-hmm. the persona should be a repre- representation of the target users or the people that you want to interact with your experience. Yeah, okay, cool. And so when you say it should be a representation of the users, how do you feel that works in practice? Do you mean like it should be like them or it should be like the person that should uh, speak to them? If that, do, Am I making sense there? Yeah, no, I, I think it... It should cater to what the users want, I think. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be like them, but it should resonate with them in the way that they speak to them, at least. Yeah, I I totally get you. And I think uh, my question was a bit harsh because it's definitely going to be a case-by-case basis, right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And the persona is going to change. Yeah, it depends on the use case. It depends on the company. Um, But yeah, I think generally. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It's, um, I think it's one of the big challenges that uh, you, you might really make a huge assumption about what a certain group of users might feel comfortable talking to. And you could be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where the testing and iteration comes in because you have to just always be making sure that what you're saying, that that people are getting what they need out of the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's the main aim, right? It has Mm -hmm. to be useful. It has to help people. Exactly. (laughs) Cool. And so... What's the purpose of the bot's persona? Why, why do we make these? Well, I guess one way of looking at it is that it cre- creates an emotional connection to as many customers and potential users as possible. Um, mm-hmm. But the underlying business purpose is to attract and maintain as many customers as possible to max- maximize revenue. <laughs> that, that's yeah. pretty much it. <laughs> sure, sure. I get you. I get you. I mean, one of the aspects of that that I, I'm constantly wondering about is, you know, we, we, we can sort of assume that people want to talk to another person, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this should be human. Let's basically clone someone who we think is brilliant in that kind of scenario and have users talk to that. And that feels like a very natural, obvious approach. How, how do you feel about that? Like, how human should these personas be? It depends on the use case and what the bot's being used for. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer for how human it should be. For example, Mm -hmm. if it's more of a conversational bot, like a therapy bot that's supposed to be checking in with you, it should be more human uh, acting, I think. Um, But if it's like a banking bot or something that's handling super personal information, um, I think it maybe shouldn't be as human and should be more like transactional and just be more useful in that case and help people get what they need. Yeah, I get you. I get you. It's, you know, when you're talking about like a sort of bot in a therapeutic scenario, it makes me wonder if, uh, you know, there's, there's research that shows that people feel, feel more comfortable giving personal details to something when they know it's a bot, right? Because 
they feel a bit judged by a person, but a bot feels like slightly this other. And then so it makes me wonder, uh, you know, if if there is value in this thing being inhuman, you know, like from the outset, yeah. for it still needs to communicate like a human, but it maybe doesn't need to represent one. And I think that comes with the expectations that are set with talking to a bot. So I don't think there's a problem with a bot trying to be more human or trying to connect with people. But I think the right expectations need to be set so that people are in the mindset that they are talking to a bot. And yeah. it's not the same, not going to be the same experience as talking to a human. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I think we, we've discovered that now after all the hype, like we're, we're making digital humans. And, you know, it's like so far, not so much. Right. <laughs> and, you know, maybe that's not what we need. It needs to simply help us. It needs to uh, do the use case well, but it doesn't need to convince us that we're human. Right. Um, and there's danger in uh, convincing users that they're talking to an actual human, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for one thing, there's uh, you can run into legal issues with this and like, I know in, in California, you legally like need to tell people that you're talking to a bot. And like this is yeah. super easy to fix. You just introduce yourself as a bot or depending on the language that you can use legally, like virtual assistant to make it a little bit more <laughs> understanding. And yeah, uh-huh. I just I think there are a lot higher expectations when you make a bot more human that they're going to be able to respond in that human way. And if you don't meet those expectations, you have the potential to lose a lot of customers or just have people be really frustrated and angry with the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's almost like being honest from the outset uh, that it is a bot solves quite a few issues, right? Because it, yeah. <laughs> it frames the user's expectations. And of course, it there's a legal requirement in quite a few uh, like uh locations around the world um so it's almost like why why would you even try to go the other route and pretend that you're human exactly the, the bot's human yeah 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 okay that's cool um and so you know there's the human aspect as mm-hmm. in the bot uh pretending to be human but there's also uh the sort of you know that's one way of looking at it, but also the way that a bot can bond with the user, like to be empathetic, to be caring. Um, and I guess, you know, we want that. Uh, we want the user to trust the bot. We want them to feel like they're being understood, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also a slightly dangerous area, right? Um, if the user forms too strong a bond with the bot, uh, we could perhaps end up in uh, like dangerous territory. Yeah. Uh, what What do you think about that? Like, is there is this something that comes up uh, with with your work with the Open Voice Network? Like, looking at the collection of data and how the bot can uh, open up those channels for the collection of data and how risky it can be. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and I, I think it's up to the people that are creating the the experiences to have that ethical mindset of, no, we're not going to, you know, try to manipulate people or try to get information out of people or have like murky consent policies <laughs> that people don't understand what they're consenting to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I yeah. think you get into very dangerous territory there <laughs> if you don't have ethical 
you know, an ethical mindset going in. Yeah, absolutely. And just the thing that you pointed out there, like the the consent, I feel like even by the nature of talking to this bot, which is talking to you in natural language, mm -hmm. the concept of people giving their consent and perhaps dealing with legal speak at the same time, it can be really complex and also undermine the bot, right? Because yes, the bot absolutely. speaks. So yeah, it's somewhere that, um, you know, of course, uh, companies have to ensure that they are uh, being legal and, you know, gaining the consent, the mm -hmm. explicit consent from the user, but then how to communicate that in a way that says the right things, but mm -hmm. also in a way that feels uh, like it's, it's part of the bot experience. It's conversational and it's understandable because contracts, it's basically a different language, right? Yeah. And there's so much you need to tell people, especially in relation to voice too. It gets mm -hmm. so long and it's just not feasible to just, you know, <laughs> talk at people for hours, <laughs> like trying to get them to consent to this information. So I think yeah. the solution to that is trying to get them to consent through like email or have have their policies really clearly stated on their website or another place that's easily accessible for people and, and easy for, to understand for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would hope that with the prevalence of bots, uh, all kinds of business language is going to become more uh, accessible, more, more understandable, more, you know, like I, I really struggle uh, with contracts and I'm, I'm very yeah. careful to make sure I understand it, but it takes so long. Um, right. And of course, not with all, like, you know, I know which contracts really matter, but sometimes if you're signing up for a website, you're not going to read pages and pages. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And it's yeah. it's particularly dangerous with voice just because of the amount of information that can be taken from your voice, mm -hmm. even from one interaction. So, yeah. and I think right now, like there are very few laws when it comes to voice specific privacy and regulation and that kind of stuff. So right now the burden is on the user to be knowledgeable about these topics and know what they're consenting to which is unfortunate but <laughs> that's yeah. what <laughs> that's what the, that's what it is <laughs> no totally it's 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 definitely unfortunate because it's a new technology so people are very much like oh, i don't know what to do with this yep. <laughs> and i think it this could be one of the reasons why there is still a little bit of mistrust you know like oh the voice assistant stealing my data and Absolutely. it's like you know uh, there could be legitimate uh, situations where that's happening. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, our interactions with all technology have that risk. Like a mobile phone is a microphone, a loudspeaker connected to the internet collecting data, which mm -hmm. is exactly the same as a voice assistant. But still, the idea of the voice assistant now has this kind of baggage that people uh, have attached to it, where it's like, oh, that thing I need to be careful about. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this is fascinating. When you talk about um, all of the different things that can be collected from voice data, could you go into that a bit, please? Because I think I know that that's part of your research with Open yeah. Voice Network, and I think it's super useful for people. Yeah, sure. Personal information can be collected, like your name, your location, the information about the device you're using. Companies are collecting information even about your contacts right now. Mm -hmm. um, so unless you like opt out of those, they collect that by default, um, depending on the yeah. company, of course. But 
right now companies are opting to collect that default information um, instead of having users opt in. Um, And aside from personal information, they can also collect information from biomarkers in your voice, which help people detect diseases or um, illnesses that people could have. And um, you can also detect how someone's feeling um, from speech emotion recognition. So they can tell if you're like angry, if you're sad, hungry, intoxicated, that kind of stuff. And assumptions, they can collect that data and assume things from it. And that can be used to market stuff to people or um, in in other forms like that, which can be really dangerous. (laughs) No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, we're revealing so much as we talk, right? Yeah, exactly. Without, without realizing it, without mm-hmm. realizing it. And they can yeah. even hear like uh, ambient noise and get stuff from that. And they can tell your ethnicity. They can tell your, yeah, race. Um, you can yeah. infer socioeconomic status. There's a lot <laughs> that can be collected. No, totally, totally. It's like... Uh, this this is somewhat of a new challenge to to consider you know like it's fantastic you're you're uh collecting this knowledge and you're releasing these articles with open voice network and then it's like the challenge of you know how to use this uh in a trustworthy way because there is benefits to all of this data if used right isn't there you absolutely know, um, yeah it's uh, for example, the the uh, was it voice biomarker as you were saying, like mm-hmm. uh, you can tell. Uh, I know that they've been able to, to detect COVID from the voice. Right. Mm-hmm. COVID yeah. Parkinson's is, is another one that they've been getting pretty good results with too. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah. the dangers, of course, come with like bias and discrimination and just yeah. you know data sets in general. You know what you're talking about there in terms of being able to identify someone's um, various aspects of their their id their mm-hmm. their their persona you know it can be used to collect these things and then a bot itself can potentially collect that but it can also potentially use it as part of the conversation mm-hmm. you know so a bot could talk about politics or social issues or all sorts like right. you know maybe currently in America it could be talking about the the voting mm-hmm. uh, which I, I you know I think is a very uh, emotional issue yes <laughs> for, for <many laughs> very <people. laughs> yeah so you know if it, if we're talking about a branded bot because most most but not all are for perhaps a bank or or any brand mm-hmm. you know how how deep do you think they should go into other conversational topics? Because a user can say anything they want. Mm -hmm. Do you think a bot should be ready to go down those other avenues? Like a bank's bot could talk, uh, sorry, a bank's bot could talk about voting. I think for a banking bot or any other branded bot whose primary use case is not directly relevant to discussing those issues. Absolutely not. (laughs) I think um, it's really dangerous it's really risky and there's almost no reward for it and that's almost a bad news story waiting to happen (laughs) (laughs) i Um, get you yeah Yeah. (laughs) but 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 why like 
Um, you know, like if if a brand clearly stands for something, mm-hmm. uh, let's say, for example, if a brand is clearly uh, feels Republican, that's what they believe in. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't their bot reflect that brand value, so to speak? If they're catering to users that want that out of the bot, I I think. Go for it. I mean, <laughs> I think you're just uh, limiting how many people are interacting with your bot if you decide to go into those hot button issues and topics. And I also think bots are not set up to handle those conversations at the moment mm-hmm. unless and like going back and forth and debating these topics like there's <laughs> almost no way that um, you would have to really like thoroughly design out the conversation um, with any possibility. So yeah. it's it would be tough to do that in addition to the use case that you're trying to do. <laughs> yeah, I totally get you. I mean, there's really potential for fanning the flames and then for the bot to say, sorry, I can't say anymore. Right. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I, I just don't think it's going to be a fruitful conversation. And I think it also distracts from what the user's there in the first place for. <laughs> yeah, I so, totally get you. I totally yeah. get you. Yeah, it, it, I think it... You know, it's it's a very interesting area because I think in branding it is like brands should know what they stand for and amplify it, like be ready to talk about it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we uh, I think how to deal with the polarization that it can cause because it's, you know, like uh, as people we can sort of turn on a dime and like meander around the conversation and make sure that we're not... Uh, being overly offensive or or however Mm -hmm. the person might deal with it. But with a bot, it's hard, right? Yeah, exactly. And I I think we really, until bots have more, can handle more complex conversations and also remember like um, the context of the conversation. I I think, especially with those topics, it's very nuanced to some of those topics and what you're discussing. So they have to be able to handle that as well. And I, I just don't think the technology is there yet. Yeah, I totally get you. I totally get you. Thanks. It's it's cool. Um, so is there anything a bot should be ready to talk about apart from its uh, its use case, its, its main purpose? <clears throat> I think um, it shouldn't... I think in general, it should stick to the use case. Um, I think there are certain situations such as like sensitive or emergency situations that they might want to have a prepared response for. Um, Mm -hmm. And not necessarily if the bot can't help, help them directly, at least give them resources that can help the user get the help that they need. Um, Because it might not be relevant to the use case specifically, but it's about helping your customers. And I, I think those are situations in which you need, it, it shows your um, values and, and that you care about people when you're able yeah. to help them and direct them to the right place. Yeah, totally, totally. I get you. I mean, the bot doesn't need to be able to answer every need, but it should be able to at least pass you on to yes. whoever can. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it makes suddenly the the scenario popped in my head that uh, perhaps uh, you know somebody could call a, a car insurance bot and you know want to set up a new account, mm-hmm. but at the same time their car is broken down, 
you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Could happen. I know it's like, it's a very (laughs) random scenario, but (laughs) that bot should be ready to, uh, you know, not just set up the car insurance, but also just be like, hey, instantly your your car's broken down. Let me help with that. Right. Exactly. Or at least call like your, uh, I don't know, uh, the roadside assistance or something like that. Just or yeah. give them the number or yeah <laughs> something like exactly that. connect them to the right person because it's yeah. it's not the use case but it's totally relevant to exactly the use case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure yeah no that's great um and uh yeah i i need to talk to you about sound i need yes, to absolutely it's impossible, <laughs> it's impossible to avoid sound because like you're a professional violinist and, uh, which is absolutely amazing and that means that you think in sound right mm-hmm. you yes. you think of melody and the nuance of uh, uh sound mm-hmm. so do you feel that the sound of the voice of the bot can affect the user's relationship with it. Absolutely. Um, and you have to choose the right sound based on the use case, the brand, the users that you're talking to. Um, and it's just, you really have to know your users and be able to connect through them with the sound, yeah. um, and with the sound of the voice. Yeah, I, I feel this is still a kind of untapped area. Like people, of course, talk about it. They talk about which voice to use, how to uh, alter it with SSML. But still, it's kind of like we're just delving in, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> Even with yeah. SSML, it's still like, so it doesn't sound, always sound how you want it to sound. <laughs> no, totally. It's, I mean, we, we don't. As we're talking, the words come out with the melody and the prosody and so on. Mm-hmm. And we're not thinking in SSML. So as a designer to analyze what SSML fits words, it's like you have to have a really strong concept and a bit of a, a sound brain, right? You have to be able to right. think about the melody and the prosody. And you also have to know what you're listening for too, which is hard because you do actually have to have some training for that and not unless you're like <laughs> trained in music or sound specifically, it's, it's hard to know what you're listening for, especially since we were born speaking pretty much, <laughs> or like we were born yeah. using our voices. So yeah, we just totally. do it automatically. So we don't actually think about what's going on behind what we're saying when we say it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I guess being able to do that takes some practice and skill. Yeah. And I would love to, like, I, I really feel that the violin angle can be very useful uh, in this in this conversation because, of course, mm-hmm. you play <laughs> violin very well. And so when you're thinking of phrasing on a violin, mm-hmm. are you thinking of verbal phrasing at all or is it a different language? It's a combination of both in terms of, like, articulation or how the sound is coming out you can think in like syllables. Like if you want to start with like an attack or something, you would want more of like a K sound, um, Uh something like that. Um, But in general, I think phrasing, you're thinking of, um, I guess, where does the phrase go? What's the high point? It's like telling a story pretty much. (laughs) Uh And um, just thinking about the smaller phrases and, how they also relate to the overall story and how you can create a complete 
story within <laughs> with all of those little phrases. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like you're thinking of the peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. Like where where do you want to hit a peak or even the main climax? And you you have to leave right. in spaces, right, where the the your audience can sort of have a little breath before you take them back in mm-hmm. uh, to somewhere more intense. Yeah, and as, silence in particular is like is so powerful, and um, just being able to use that and um, use that within the sound, I think, is even with bots too. <laughs> I think it's really important to do that. No, totally, totally. Um, <laughs> and so, like, do you have perfect pitch? I do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. And. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a whole other area of discussion, which I, <laughs> I, I think could be very interesting. But in relation to bots, like mm-hmm. with your experience with SSML, do you, I mean, there's there's no, you know, we're obviously not speaking in uh, clear pitches, you know, mm-hmm. the, the semitones and so on. Right. Um, do you think that with your perfect pitch, you, uh, you hear things that, uh, text-to-speech is saying and you're like whoa that's just way off like people don't talk like that or it sounds odd yeah and I think the pitch since it's like a voice it's not as prevalent maybe as like ear cons or, or noises that you use to represent different sounds I think with the voice it's more about like how high or low it is um it's not necessarily about like a specific pitch that sounds off. It's just a matter of getting like the tone right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I, I think with like anything that has a pitch, um, like a, a sound, um, that's when the per- <laughs> the perfect pitch really helps out. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I, I've heard that it's um, like, I guess if you hear a door squeak, you can mm-hmm. probably know what semitone that was. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I heard Miles Davis used to do this, and it's like I'm a drummer, so for uh-huh. me, pitch is completely out. I <laughs> I have a feeling for rhythm, but I, I, I yeah, I'm basically useless with with melody. Um, but yeah, it's it's really amazing. Um, and so, are you thinking of music when you're doing SSML? Um, yeah, I think in terms of how I'm shaping a specific phrase or how I'm saying something to people. So mm-hmm. I think about, like, what what is the direction of the pitch during the sentence? Like, am I going up? Am I going down? Um, how, fi- like, uh, do I take uh, pauses or breaths during specific words? Um, and how do I get that, the SSML to reflect those so that it sounds more human? <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. It's like... Uh, clearly sort of chunking bits of information and putting the pauses in between. And also emphasis too, like am I emphasizing specific syllables out of specific words? Um, Mm -hmm. And if so, like, yeah, if you don't emphasize those specific syllables, like how someone would say it, it sounds really bad. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And so would you say it out loud yourself? to get a feeling for the the prosody before you do it in SSML? Yeah, I think that helps so much. And it, it just helps you like really think through how you're saying it. And, um, mm-hmm. and everyone's going to say things differently. So it depends yeah. on the person and stuff. But I think in, in general, for the most part, like the way you say stuff should be pretty similar. It just might be like what you say that, that could be different. But um, 
yeah, the meaning behind it should should be the same. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely, I, exactly as you say. Everybody talks differently, so you can you can get ballpark right, but you, right. <laughs> if you get it too specific, then it might work for a very specific group of users and not the rest. Exactly. Great mm-hmm. if that is your users. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's fantastic, Emily. I feel um, we've we've gone into some really nice stuff that I I know it's useful for for the for the industry for everybody involved in conversations and conversation design. Yeah. So thanks very much. Um, I I feel like we've we've got it. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for so, having me on. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, if 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 you're happy to be contacted. Uh, are you happy to be contacted? By yeah, absolutely. Who are yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> sure. Where, where can they get you? Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place to reach me. So you can find me, Emily Wimatsu Banzaf, on LinkedIn. So. Okay, awesome. Cool. Um, so thanks. Have a great day. Thank you so much. You too. <laughs>